What's happening? Will Freeman, RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com talking to you today about how to defend yourself, okay? The reality is we have a high-tech world of comfort and convenience. It's easy to forget that uh, at one point in our evolution, every day was a struggle for survival, from the environment to predatory animals to other hostile tribes of humans. Your life and the life of your tribe at one point was dependent on your ability to defend yourself. Uh, since then, we've become the dominant predator species on the planet and risen so high that we are effectively above the food chain. And we've outsourced the bulk of our personal defense to the military and the police force. However, jail does not mean anything to some young dumb thug who wouldn't think twice about sticking you up for a couple hundred dollars or from some dummy in the club who won't hesitate to start a fight over nothing. Uh, the reality is we still have all those primitive instincts within our civilized society and just because you've never been attacked and just because you've never been in a fight doesn't mean that threat isn't present and even if you only end up in one fight in your life, uh, you're going to be thankful that you know how to defend yourself, okay? And hear me out, I'm not a tough guy, I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. But I would like to think that I could defend myself and my people if push comes to shove. I do have that switch and um, it is something that I would like to avoid. But at push comes to shove, I, I do believe that I could defend myself and my people if, if need be. But more importantly, in terms of self-defense, is using your brain okay, to avoid fights in the first place. All right, just a le quick legal disclaimer, um, you know, understand the self-defense laws in your state and country and follow them, okay? Um, I'm going to break down like total avoidance of, of situations, but if, if you are in getting into a fight, you should understand the self-defense laws and act accordingly so that you don't end up with an assault charge, okay? So the first point I want to make is the point of avoidance. This is the first rule of self-defense. It is avoiding a physical confrontation. Every legitimate self-defense expert will tell you the same thing, that avoiding a confrontation is the absolute best thing that you can do. Okay, being in a fight, especially as a grown man, is a worst case scenario. It doesn't matter how good your MMA skills are. Nothing good can come from getting in a street fight, okay? In a fight, you can get beaten, you can get stabbed, you can get shot. Even if you're winning, okay, because the guy decides to pull a weapon that you didn't see or he has two friends they come rushing out of the club that you didn't see before until it's too late. And even if you win, you can still break your hand, you can break a finger, and you can get charged with assault when the cops show up and see you making it rain on some drunk degenerate. All right, that, that can mean a fine, that can mean a mark on your record, which means that you're not going to be able to get hired at a ma major corporation. Um, or even jail time for assault. It's, it's serious business, okay? Um, you know, just... A lot of guys think they can just get in a fight and, and you know, that's it. And that It can easily lead to um, an assault charge if you're seen as the aggressor, all right? So number one is is the first rule of avoidance is be alert and trust your instincts. Um, the first step is just assessing threats and, and being aware whenever you're outside. I mean, you can be comfortable, but if, if, if something is registering on your threat radar, which should, which should always be there in the back of your mind, uh, you need to listen to that, all right? Number one is mindfulness awareness. Number two is getting rid of friends who cause problems or fight, okay? Those guys are only gonna bring you down in the game of life. You wanna surround yourself with winners. You are the five people you hang around with, and if you're hanging around with people that cause trouble and cause problems, you're gonna find yourself ending up in fights, which is not cool. Uh, number three, 
don't go places where degenerates are. That means dive bars, dangerous clubs, uh, especially those after hours drug dens. Uh, you know the kind of clubs I'm talking about that are open till six o'clock in the morning. Okay, nobody goes there except for druggies and drug dealers and thugs. Those are the only people that can be that can be out until six o'clock on a Wednesday night. An easy way to um, avoid these types of situations is, is just to go to nice places, nice nice restaurants, nice lounges. Um, if you can't afford to go somewhere nice, then stay in or or go out less. Um, and if you're broke, if, if you can't afford it, then you shouldn't be going out too much anyways. You should be focusing on getting your income up. Step four, live in a safe neighborhood, uh, in a safe city ideally. I feel a lot safer here in Chiang Mai than I did in Toronto. Toronto's safe for a big city, but you know, I remember walking home at night in downtown and there'd be like three, four guys that, that my radar would go off of who, who didn't look quite right. Whereas that, that rarely, almost never happens out here. Um, and it, it's very nice to live somewhere where you feel comfortable, okay? If you, if you can't afford to live somewhere nice, at least get a small apartment in um, somewhere that's uh, at least safe, okay? If you're in a, in, a, in a dangerous, lower economic neighborhood right now, you need to get out of there as soon as you can. Even if it just means moving to like a lower uh, working class neighborhood with auto body shops that's at least safe and like a small neighbor, uh, a small apartment in there just to get you started, just to get you away from trouble. Uh, is, an, is an important thing like focus on on getting your money up so you can live where you want that that's the ideal um, and to me I think if you're in a dangerous neighborhood you have to do whatever you can to get out of there that's that's a big deal and should be a big priority for you step five is be respectful um, not only is it a better way to live but it's better for your karma and being respectful keeps you out of trouble okay don't taunt guys, don't act aggressive, uh, don't be rude, um, and be especially careful when you're hitting on girls in a club situation, okay? Uh, that girl might have a boyfriend who's standing you know, right next to her. You should you know, be able to sort of walk into a club and assess the situation. I mean, I still think clubs are the worst way to pick up. I have an article and video on that. Um, but if you are in a club situation, you should be able to have the awareness of like, okay, you know, which girls am I going to go to talk to? Who are they there with? Are, is that their boyfriend, um, you know, right behind her talking to his friends? And, and am I going to, if I go over to talk to her, it, am I going to be talking to her right next to, you know, her boyfriend who looks aggressive with three of his friends right there, right? Which is not smart. The other thing you, you don't want to do, and I see a lot of pickup guys advocate this, and I think it's such a mistake. Um, you know, they advocate this sort of aggressive style of going up to girls and, and, you know, really putting your hands on them quickly. And some of these guys advocate going up to, to girls in, in mixed groups of guys. Okay. So you've got a mixed group of guys and girls. Um, the guys are drunk. Let's say the guys are like, you know, look like they're athletic and shaped guys and you're running into their circle, hitting on their girls who are, they could be those guys, girlfriends, or they could be guys, girls that those guys are hooking up with, or just girls that they like and that that they are protective of as part of that's their circle and you're coming in there that is a recipe for for trouble okay uh at the end of the day the girls that want to get picked up at the club they're there with like one girlfriend or maybe like two other girlfriends at the most they're having the girls night out and despite what they say that they're just there to dance they're there to meet guys for the most part and they're they'll be the ones who will be you know, sitting by the bar, you know, waiting for someone to talk to them or on the dance floor, waiting for guys to, to, to come dance with them. All right. Those are the girls that you want to hit on as opposed to girls that are actually 
there with guys, all right? And if you do hit on a girl and, you know, turns around the guy's the boyfriend and whatnot, just say, oh, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't realize she was with you. That, that's happened to me a number of times back when I was being active with it. And, and that pretty much stops like almost any problem right in its tracks. She's just like, hey, you know, I'm sorry I didn't realize she was with you. Um, you know, I hope you do have a good night. And it's also just a common courtesy. So if you're at a club and and some guy's hitting on on your girlfriend and and because that's happened to me as well, and then he apologizes, you know, that that's you know, I respect that as a as a common courtesy. I don't think it's a weakness. I think it's a, a respectful thing to do and it's a smart thing to do. Step six, avoid thugs when you see them, okay? Uh, if you see a group of guys hanging around the ATM late at night, do not go to that ATM. If you're walking home late at night from a bar downtown, which again, you shouldn't be, uh, it's it's not smart in this day and age, and you see a bunch of thugs on one side of the street, it is, it is a not weakness to cross the street, it is smart, okay? Because you're not gonna be able to take five, four or five guys down, four or five aggressive, you know, thugs down if, if they want to cause trouble with you, which they very well might be. Um, even if you went to a nice la lounge downtown, you're taking my advice, you're going to nice places. Walking back home from downtown in a major city at night, a lot of the times is not smart. Uh, taking the subway at night with a bunch of drug kids on there is, is usually not smart as opposed to a cab. Uh, the other big one is that like, you know, that late night, 24 hour McDonald's, there's fight in there, there's dumb dumb kids in there, there's drunk people in there, especially if you're walking in and you're well-dressed and you're with like, and your lady and she's well-dressed, um, you know, you set yourself up for potential problems, okay? Step six, and this is the final step on avoidance. If you're a wealthy businessman, uh, especially in a country that is not uh, particularly wealthy and maybe you have a high profile if your company is well-known, um, you know, it makes sense to get security or a driver uh, if you can afford it um, to protect yourself and, you know, to live in a gated community and to take those extra precautionary measures. Even if you're um, traveling and you're sort of a wealthy guy, I know that Tim Ferriss, when he he uh, calls for pickup in, in a city um that he's flying into, if it's not a especially safe city, if he's going to Mexico City or something along those lines, he will book the cab under a fake name. So because he's a public figure, so that if he sees the um, the limo driver, the airport driver holding up the name Tim Ferriss, he knows that he's being set up. Um, that's that's another thing that you can do, like because businessmen do get kidnapped and people do their research and they have, um, you know. People on the flight, you know, in the airlines who, who tell them about passengers or, or, or things of that nature. Um, and, you know, they bribe cab drivers or they, they take over their cab. Okay. You can look up all the kidnappings that happen in Mexico every year and it's, it's serious business. So if you're in, if you're traveling to countries like that, um, whatever extra precautions you can take is, is a smart thing, especially if you are a wealthy guy and, and, and um, you know, that just makes you more of a potential target. So that's avoidance. The next thing you need to focus on is self-defense, okay? Avoidance is great, uh, but you should also know how to defend yourself just in case push comes to shove, okay? And there are three uh, major areas to cover here. The number one is, is to get built, okay? Forget about functional strength. The more muscular you are, the, the better you're gonna be able to defend yourself, all things considered. 
Um, that's why there's weight classes in MMA. I'm not saying that a, a smaller guy can't knock out a bigger guy, but on average, the more muscle you have, the bigger you are, the more advantage you have in a fight. Also, the bigger you are, um, the less likely you, you are for someone to test you, okay? I'm not a big guy by any means. I'm, a, I'm 5'10", 175 pounds. But in high school, at the same height, I was 120 pounds. So I've got about 50 pounds of muscle on it. And I can tell you, it makes a big difference from, from being 175 as it does to being 120 or 125, all right? You know, if you, if you do have a, you know, a little bit of size on you, it, it, it does make the guy think twice as opposed to you being a little guy and he thinks he can walk all over you type of thing. Um, point two is know how to defend yourself. Okay. If you want to train in stuff that works, uh, MMA is the best, of course, uh, boxing, Muay Thai, uh, wrestling and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu are also all very good. With that said, if you are going to train, I would avoid training, um, anything more than, you know, learning the combinations, learning the skills, doing some bag work, you know, in a class or whatever, and maybe some light sparring. Okay. But, uh, getting into um, gym wars, which a lot of serious trainees do, where like guys are going at each other hard with another well-trained fighter will oftentimes leave you worse than the fight that you're preparing for, okay? Um, you know, broken nose, concussion, uh, you know, having some Muay Thai killer just chop at your legs all day. Um, you know, that gym war is likely to be worse than the actual fight scenario. And... At the end of the day, if you're in your 20s, early 30s, you might think you're young and invincible, um, but you have to carry that body for the rest of your life. You have one body, okay? I'm, I'm 35 now, and I, I've switched up my whole training in the gym and, and in weightlifting, is, and um, you know, protecting my joints and, and not getting injured is as important to me as, as putting on muscle, and you know, the same should apply when you're learning how to defend yourself. All right, you want to be able to know how to fight, uh, but you know you don't want to hurt yourself in the process, and you don't want to develop injuries and 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 um, muscle and joint stiffness. Okay, uh, but outside of like professional training, if you're just a regular guy like me, you should know uh, three things. Okay, in a fight, the first thing, and this is when you always see guys get knocked out, is is to keep your hands up. Okay. Every boxing trainer is going to tell you to keep your hands up. The UFC commentators will tell you to keep your hands up. Um, when your hands are down, you're getting knocked out in a, in a fight scenario. Okay, so you've got your hands up like 10 and 2 so that you can block punches. Uh, there's also, um, I think you can look him up on YouTube, this this guy who does crazy monkey defense, which is like this. You, you could have seen Tito, Tito Ortiz use that in a fight uh, once when he was getting cornered. But either way, you want your hands around here so that you know the punches you'll be able to deflect on your hands or on your arms or whatever which is still going to hurt but you're not going to get knocked out and that's where you want to swing from so like after you strike you pull back to this position okay not like hands down and these wild hooks that you see guys throwing in like the world star videos okay because every time you hit someone you open yourself up to get hit all right so keep those hands up and if you're if you know, practice or shadow box or do something, practice hitting and then back to hands up, hitting back to hands up. Um, that's, that's a really big deal on defense. Uh, the second point is learn how to throw uh, tight, crisp hooks with both hands, like these ones, right? Right to the jaw. Not those big looping wild punches, but those tight hooks to the jaw. And if you want to see someone do it really well, look at uh, Mike Tyson's early videos when he gets inside, because he was a smaller guy. So he would 
get inside with head movement, and then he would throw these ruthless uh, hooks to the body, hooks to the jaw, and uh, take guys down. Okay, I'm not talking about hits, uh, shots to the body though. I'm talking about being able to time crisp hooks to the jawline for the knockout and to be able to practice that and to be able to do it with, um, you know, some real aggression. If you have to train on a bag or, or um, shadow box a little bit, I do that sometimes in my room or, or you know, it's something that I've been watching for a while. By no means am I, uh, 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 you know, calling myself any type of a good fighter, but I do know a little bit of those, those uh, boxing basics, which, which are quite helpful. Uh, third point is the basic head movement back and forth and the basic foot movement. Um, you know, you don't want to be flat footed in a fight. You want to be moving around. You want to be changing angles. You want to be, um, you know, circling and maybe setting up your right hand if that's your dominant hand. Uh, lots of boxing tutorials available. Everything, all, all the stuff that I'm, I'm telling you about is available on YouTube if you look into it. Um, you can practice on a punching bag or you can practice on one of those ropes with the head slips like this. Uh, again, if you want to watch Mike Tyson again, uh, a lot of people don't know this, is that his defense was was some of the best in his early days. He had that bob and weave style that Custom Auto taught him, and it was very hard to hit him because his head movement was so good. His footwork was good, but his head movement was incredible. You can watch his defensive highlights and, and see what I'm talking about. But being able to move your head is very important. Being able to to move is important because you never want to be a, a stationary target in a fight. Um, lastly, on how to defend yourself, number three, if it's legal in your country and state, consider getting a firearm, certainly for your house, as well as getting proper training on how to use it, it because a, a weapon, a firearm, is by far your best bet on self-defense. Uh, especially if you have a family, if, if your house is being robbed, you are going to be thankful you have that gun to protect your family. With that said, of course, you want to, if you have kids, uh, you want to store that gun safely and, and away from um, children and, and not having them being able to access it, as well, access it as well as storing it in, in regards to whatever laws uh, there are in your state to make sure that you are not doing anything illegal. Um, and of course, you're, you're legally purchasing the gun I know that in some countries and states, it's legal to carry a weapon or even uh, carry concealed. Uh, I believe Florida and, and maybe Arizona. Uh, don't quote me on that. Um, it, again, a gun is by far your best line of self-defense. Okay, but with that said, I, I would be I would be careful with that in terms of pulling a pistol and shooting someone in a club or a bar brawl, I mean, could, could get you sent away for manslaughter. Even if you're trying to claim self-defense, it's like, well, the guy was coming at you with fist and you shot him. Um, you know, it, it could easily be a bad situation. So, I mean, it's one thing to, to legally own a gun or carry it, but it's another thing to use it. And um, I would really make sure that you understand, you know, whatever laws there are and, and follow those laws to the letter. I mean, ideally, you, you never would want to have to use it. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm just putting it out there as an option. I'm just saying, you know, f learn the law to the letter, learn exactly what you can do and can't do. Um, and also just the, the, the karma of, or the karma and the ethics of, you know, you, you know, not wanting to shoot someone obviously are, are things to consider. But I just wanted to put that out there in regards to firearms because that is the, the best uh, form of self-defense. Okay, so, with that being said, uh, I want to cover uh, a couple of fight scenarios here. So 
Let's say you're in the club, all right, um, and some guy's upset over something and he's, he's speaking to you in a certain way. Again, avoidance usually should uh, prevent you from being in these situations, okay? If, you, if someone guy's getting aggressive with you, you've already um, messed up at, at some point, okay? But in, in that situation, the first thing you want to do, like you're probably at a club where, where, where you shouldn't be. But the first thing you want to do in that situation is, is conflict resolution, okay? If you stepped on somebody's shoes or you, you dropped some guy's drink or you were hitting on his girl and you didn't realize it, the polite thing to do is, is apologize. It's, it's easy. It's, it's, usually if someone's getting mad, it, there's, there's something that you did. They might be overreacting, but there, there could be something that you did. And, and a quick apology will, will solve that. Um, again, in a nice establishment, there's a very low chance that a biker or sorry, an investment banker is going to try and bottle you because you scuffed his loafers. Um, which is why I tell you to, to, to stay in nice places, but conflict resolution is the first thing. Sort of like, Hey man, I'm sorry. Hands up. Hey man, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. My fault. hundred percent. I apologize. Right. Usually that's going to be enough to, to, um, deflate the situation. Okay. Uh, if it starts to escalate more than that, um, this is number two, the, the smart thing to do is leave, okay? If someone's getting angry as, as per the above and you can't resolve the conflict quickly, your best bet is to swallow your pride and leave, okay? For me, the way I justify that is I have way too much winning to do, okay? I'm looking at Grant Cardone and Tony Robbins and that's where I wanna be. And Tony Robbins or Grant Cardone is not gonna be in the club getting into a fight, all right? I mean, it's, it's just stupid. And uh, I'm a grown ass man, so I would be like, well, you know, I'm going to suck it up. I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm going to suck it up because I'm playing the game of life. And this is, this is a, um, a bad card to play. This is a mistake. I, I just look at it logically. Like this is where I'm trying to go in my life. This thing's getting in my way. I'll suck up my pride for about a second. And three days later, I won't care about it. I'm going to leave. Okay. My reputation is not as a tough guy. I know that I can fight if I have to, but I don't want to. So I will do what it takes to avoid that situation. And I would suggest you do the same. Um, but let's say for whatever reason you, you feel that it's starting to escalate and leaving is not an option. So now we're going to talk about the actual fight scenario. If you're boxed in, um, or you're making a bad decision, chances are, if you're fighting, you're making a bad decision. Chances are, if you're fighting, you probably could have left at some point. Like when you watch all these videos of these guys posturing up, every one of them could have just walked away and not, you know, gotten into that combat zone going back and forth to the guys. So you're usually able to get out of that situation. But if you're in like tight quarters or, you know, a hallway or an elevator or something along those lines where you don't have the option and you're boxed in, um, again, so you're going to be in a fight scenario. Okay. And if you're in a fight scenario, okay, you either have to be in fight or flight. Okay. Flight is leaving. Fight is I'm committed to this fight. And you have to decide because there's there's actually three things. There's fight, flight, or freeze. Most guys freeze, okay? And that's what gets them messed up. You need to choose fight or flight. If you're not leaving, then you're fighting, okay? And you have to be well aware of that. Like, it clicks in your head like, okay, I'm knocking this guy out, all right? That's that's the scenario you have to be in. You have to make that firm decision to, to, to attack quickly and attack viciously and then, you know, get the F out of there, okay? Now... I'm saying you've tried conflict resolution, okay? You are not the aggressor. You are doing this in self-defense, all right? You are doing this as your last option, all right? But you're smart. You're acting as it, you, ha you have your hands up, right? You always have your hands up. Like from the time you're doing conflict res resolution, you have your hands up, right? In case he's gonna try and attack. 
But you have your hands up like this. Hey, man, no, it's cool. No, 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 like, no, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. And like, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. And then if you're lucky, that's going to work, right? But if he keeps pressing you, that's when you get aggressive. But you don't give him warning that you're going to do it, right? You want him to sort of have his guard down a little bit and, and see you as not threatening. And then if he moves on you, that's when you attack, okay? After you've calmly asked him to calm down and you're not threatening and you have your hands up, but the second he moves towards you within, within the vicinity where he can strike you, that's when you attack and you attack fast and furiously, all right? You strike first, okay? This will, one, give you the element of surprise, and, and, and be able to strike first and possibly end the fight right there, right? If you look at all the videos of people getting knocked out, it's usually the first punch when the guy still uh, is not ready for the fight. Number two, um, because you've done conflict resolution, because you've, you've tried to stop this guy, it gives you legal grounds for self-defense. If there's witnesses involved, they'll say that, hey, Will was reasonable. He was trying to calm the guy down. He wasn't trying to fight. He was telling them to stop. He was, um, he gave him a lot of chances and then the guy moved forward on him and then I had to defend myself because I felt like I was about to be attacked, okay? And so that covers your grounds on the legal basis as well. Um, because you don't want to be strike, striking first where you're the one talking smack and then you rush at him, all right? You wanted like the second he gets in your vicinity, now you have legal grounds, at least you, you have a good case and you know, he's still kind of unaware. All right. So, so, so what that means is you should be throwing the first punch or what some guys might call a sucker punch. Okay. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the guy who gets hit with it is the sucker. Okay. Because if, if, if you're getting hit with the first punch, you made a major mistake. You made at least three mistakes, but you made a really major mistake by allowing him to strike first. Okay. Um, you tried to apologize, you tried to reason with him, you tried to calm him down, but he still came at you, you felt your life was in danger, and you swung first in self-defense as opposed to standing there with your hands down while an aggressive, prob probably drunk guy moves at you. And you see this if you watch those World Star videos all the time. It's a guy standing there with his hands down, like, what are you going to do? What? Hit me, right? And then what does the guy do? He hits him, and he knocks him out. Okay, if you're getting hit first, you made three major mistakes. One, you're in the wrong environment. Two, you're not being aware um, and not leaving and three, you, you didn't strike first. Okay. Um, striking first, striking hard, striking viciously, hitting him with those tight right and left hooks. You know, you're going to have about 30 seconds of adrenaline where you can go full tilt before you exhaust yourself. Cause the fight is, you know, is, is going to be quite exhausting and you can go full tilt on that, on that jawline with those hooks. Um, Striking hard, striking viciously, striking first is going to give you a massive, massive advantage in a fight. And, and you, you need a massive advantage, okay? Uh, do not make that display of posturing up for 20 minutes, alerting everyone in the area, letting the guy know there's going to be a fight. Like, what, what, what? What are you going to do, man? What are you going to do, right? I mean, this is the dumbest, dumbest, dumbest thing you can possibly do, okay? When you posture like that, you, one, signal to everyone with a camera to start filming. So now everything's on record. Two, potentially alert the guy's friends uh, who you haven't seen that were in the club to come out and, and defend him. Three, you lose the element of surprise. Four, you allow him to hit you first while you're puffing your chest out. Um, five, allows your opponent to psych himself up mentally and get ready for the fight. All right, you don't want him to be able to psych himself up. You don't want him to know that that 
vicious attack is coming as you switch gears from being the non-threatening guy to the the savage who is defending himself. You don't want his friends to be alerted. You don't want a crowd of people clamoring around. You want to attack viciously and knock him out quickly and then get the F out of there, okay? When you see two, two guys posturing, like every single one of those World Star or all those like fight videos online, it's because neither of them wants to fight, okay? As we covered this, fight, flight, and freeze, those guys are freezing. They're freezing, okay? They're pretending like they're not, but they're freezing. Uh, each guy wants to intimidate the other guy with his words so that he backs down and doesn't fight. Uh, um, neither one wants to back down because of pride, and neither one wa wants to leave, but they also don't want to fight. So that's the absolute worst scenario. The worst scenario is freezing, and even worse than that is posturing up and alerting everyone and, 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 and getting that guy psyched up and letting him know there's going to be that fight. Especially, especially, especially when your hands are down. All I've, I've been researching videos all day on this, and all the guy's hands are down while they're doing this. Okay, I'm going to have the links below in the, in the YouTube video as well as the article on my site if you want to watch them. But everybody's hands are down and they're puffing their chest out and they're, and they're you know, being verbally aggressive. This is just the absolute dumbest, dumbest thing that you can do in a fight scenario. Okay, so as we covered before, leaving is the best option. But for whatever reason you decide to commit uh, to the fight as self-defense, you have to strike first, especially if he's bigger than you. Okay, and you don't stop till he's knocked out. So forget about, you know, these these phony baloney guys talking about hair pulling, and eye gouging and, and groin strikes. And that if the guy's tough and he's big, that that's probably just going to make him angrier. Okay, you want him unconscious. The, the only time you're safe is when that guy's unconscious, when he's getting angrier because you hit him with a kidney shot or you you, you hit him with a groin strike or you tried to scratch his eyes or something along those lines, man, he's going to be even more pissed off, okay? You want him unconscious, and that means using those tight hooks to connect to the jaw, all right? The flesh, you know, this part, not, 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 not the pinky finger, right? Flesh part right on the button here, right? So that you turn the head quickly. That's where you want to land it, those two, right? Left and right, and not those wild hooks, okay, from... Those wild hooks, you're too far away. You're swinging for the fences. And when you're doing that, if you miss, which most guys do, you leave yourself completely open as opposed to a tight hook and then back, back to cover up, you know, tight hook and then, or, you know, maybe a combination of one, two, three. Um, you know, if you're good in boxing, you can put jabs and stuff in there. I'm not good enough for that. I'm just, I would just be going straight for the knockout, striking first, striking viciously, overwhelming him before he realizes he's in a fight. But at the same time, after I punch, unless it's like a one-two, um, pulling back and covering up and, you know, moving around and positioning for the next shot and trying to be able to block and use the head movement to dodge. But ideally, it's it's like all offense from your end or even more ideally, you knock him out in, in the first punch. Um, if you look around at a lot of the knockout videos, it's, it's first punch knockout or it's the first punch that lands. Um, and oftentimes it, it is a posturing situation and then, and then both guys call on the other one to start a fight and then one does and he knocks the guy out off the first punch. Um, I've, I've got some links below in the, in the, in the notes to a guy who looks like he's about 120 pounds knocking out a guy who's about 240. Okay. If you catch a guy clean on the button like that, even if he's twice your size with a solid right or a solid left, you can easily knock him out. I've seen it in person. I saw what must have been a 17-year-old kid 
um, outside when he got rejected from a club, knock out a, you know, who was maybe 130 pounds, you know, knock out a bouncer who was 220 because the bouncer didn't think that kid was going to hit him. He wasn't taking him seriously. And, and the, out of nowhere, the kid just clocked him and, and that guy was down. Okay. Um, and even if he's 230 pounds of muscle, his, his jawline isn't. He still has the same jaw as everyone else. Okay, a, a, a knockout, that, that's why it's so hard for so many uh, UFC guys to dominate the heavyweight division because every, every potential punch that lands is, is a potential knockout as opposed to the, the smaller guys um, because those, those, those big guys have so much power but their jaw doesn't change as, as you know, as you can't, you can't work out your, your jaw muscles. You can get a stronger neck, which helps, but you know, at the end of the day, your jaw is your jaw. Okay, and if you don't know what a knockout is, um, a knockout's a concussion where it's caused by the brain um, rattling up against the inside of your skull. So what happens is the, the reason a hook is so effective to the jaw is it whips the head with such velocity that the head moves so quickly that the brain rattles against the, um, the inside of the skull, which, which causes the concussion. So that's why I'm advocating for you to, to, to aim for the jaw. If you look at almost all the knockouts in boxing, it's, it's where the guy got hit on the jaw. And if you watch it in slow motion, you'll just see his head just whip to the side. And that's where the, the brain rattles up against the inside of the, the, the skull and he's knocked out. And I mean, um, an unconscious opponent is a neutralized opponent. That's also why I'm telling you guys not to go into those gym wars, right? Like, and knocking someone out is a serious deal. If you if you listen to the latest research on concussions, people used to think it was kind of a small thing, but um, concussions are are a big deal. It's a minor minor to mid sized brain trauma. Okay, so you don't want it to be you that's 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 getting knocked out. Um, that's for sure. Um, with that said, okay, not trying to throw those wild hooks, um, but don't expect it to be pretty okay I, I know a little bit of footwork I got some head movement I can throw some crisp hooks but I know in a real fight my adrenaline would be, would be going to be and it would be ugly and awkward and I would I might throw one or two wild hooks you know out of mistake but I, I'd still be trying to do the best I can and just aim for those crisp hooks and 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 that that jawline okay and and the majority of it's like you're gonna want to go hard the first 30 seconds you know, Blitzkrieg style, overwhelm him with offense. The best defense is a good offense, assuming that you are following the laws of self-defense in your country and state. With that said, be careful how you punch because you don't want to break your hand. Okay, the reason boxers wear gloves is, is so that they don't break their hands. They used to do bare knuckle boxing and break guys would break a hand or a finger in every fight. So you don't want to be hitting guys at like weird angles with your hand like this. You don't want to be hitting the, ideally, the, the top of the head, uh, the forehead or the top of the head or... Um, the side of the head because the skull is very hard. The jaw is much more malleable than the skull. It's much less hard. And but you want to hit it flush, you know, with the knuckles full. And some guys say the top three knuckles, but just make sure that that you know how to hit with the knuckles full on, and you're not doing any kind of like reverse punches, right? Like a solid, clean hook, um, full flush to the jaw is is important. Um, Another thing to take note of, I, I know that I mentioned a bunch of different uh, martial arts styles and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is super effective, you know, been tested and proven. 
but I would not recommend it in a street fight, um, you know, because you don't know how many guys you're fighting. And while you have him down on the ground on in an arm bar, his friends could come around that you didn't see and start stomping you out, or, or bystanders could jump in and take the other guy's side. Uh, the other the other thing that can happen is just you're trying to pull a guy to the ground and into some kind of armbar or whatever. He can grab a beer bottle and smash that over your head while you're trying to get him into um, you know some type of hold. The other thing is uh, it's not like an MMA fight where okay, let's say you're trying to get an armbar in a guy and you've got him in an armbar and you're winning and and his friends aren't there and no one's jumping in. Okay, it's not like an MMA fight where he can just tap out. And that's it, okay? If he taps out and you let him go, what do you think he's gonna do? He's gonna come right back at you, okay? So like to effectively use that, you're gonna have to break his arm. And that is a very bad scenario because then when the police show up and you're trying to plead self-defense and the guy's sitting there with his arm, with the the bone popping out of his arm and you're trying to say self-defense, it's gonna be a much more difficult case and uh, the charge can be a lot more serious when you've done something like that. So I would be hesitant about using anything on the ground if you can avoid it. Um, knowing a bit of wrestling, knowing a bit of takedown defense is important and and um, keeping it standing up is ideal. Not just for that reason, but in case you have to run, um, so you can, in case there's multiple opponents for you to move around and, and attack, uh, keeping it standing up is ideal, in my opinion. Um, with that said, uh, just to cover the uh, the firearm scenario that we we mentioned before if you are allowed to carry a firearm in your state and country and you are allowed to carry it concealed even though you're legally carrying a firearm like let's say you're in a club and you pull a gun out and shoot someone man that is going to be a tough case for self-defense that could end you up in jail for manslaughter um the same goes for beer bottling a guy, that's not going to be manslaughter, but that's going to, could be assault with a deadly weapon. Champagne bottle could be assault with a deadly weapon. You don't know, um, you know, how that scenario is going to play out, but, but, you know, in that situation where it's just a fight, you want to avoid using a weapon, um, you know, because you have to think about, uh, all your, all your risk factors and like, there's a risk in the fight, but chances are if the fight lasts long enough, the cops are, cops are going to show up or they're going to be called, or, you know, if someone's shot, I mean, they're definitely going to investigate on that. So you want to avoid using any type of a weapon in a, in a, in a, um, a bar fight or a club fight if you can, in my opinion. Like, ideally, you, you knock them out quickly and viciously. And when you do, the smart move is to leave as quickly as possible, okay? No world star bragging, no posturing. Um, you do not want the, the police to show up while you're, where you got your shirt off and you're yelling and screaming the guys on the ground because they're going to think that you are the aggressor, okay? Um, the other thing you don't want to do is you don't want to start kicking the guy when you're down, when he's down. You don't, you don't want to start doing like uh, Vanderlei Silva, uh, you know, soccer kicks to the head and stomping on the guy, even though you might want to because then, first of all, you can really cause damage and possibly get a serious charge and the cops show up and you're using the guy's head like a soccer ball and you're going to try and plead self-defense. Uh, that's going to be very difficult. Okay. So he's knocked out on the ground or if he's not knocked out, he's just, he's just out of it and he's sort of rolling around. Okay. Now's when you get the team and you get out of there. All right. As soon as possible, nothing good can come from standing around, um, waiting for his friends to show up or or waiting for who knows what to happen. All right. You want to take him out quickly and viciously. And then you want to get you yourself and your people 
out of there as soon as possible. All right. Um, with that said, if the fight goes the other way and you're losing, or maybe you're winning, but then two of his friends jump in, okay, you're not going to be able to take on three guys. So in that situation, uh, the smart thing to do is cut your losses and get out of there. Uh, just get you, you know, get yourself, you know, shove someone off. You get yourself enough room to move, and then and then run um, if you can. ASAP. Take it as a loss. Live to fight another day. Or better yet, never have to fight again because you're working full time on fulfilling your destiny and your your greatness and, and your mission in the world. And I mean, if you're losing, the, the ROI on sticking around is not good. Okay. You do not want to be in a situation where you're the guy who's knocked out in public, where those, you know, and, the, and a couple guys did it and they're hovering around you and you're knocked out. They can do anything to you. Okay. And they're probably not very smart. So, they might just stomp you out and I mean, very bad scenario. So you don't want that to happen. Um, if you're taking a loss or multiple guys come in, you got to create some room for yourself and, and run at the first opportunity. Lastly, uh, we covered the fight scenario there. I just want to quickly cover a robbery scenario, which is probably a worst case scenario, as opposed to a fight in a club where someone might have a weapon. If you're getting robbed, chances are the guy ha does have a weapon. Um, you know, pretty dumb to rob someone without one. Um, chances are the guys pulled the weapon before you even saw it. Okay. Again, this is a major failure in, a, in your awareness and all the other sections on avoidance. Um, but if that does happen by the time he's robbing you, he's already got the weapon out. Okay. If that weapon is a knife and he's got a bit of distance on you, you have a, you know, a, a good chance to be able to just run away quickly if he's if he's pulled it out at sort of mid-range as opposed to like just having it on your throat um but because chances are he's probably not going to be able to turn that knife around and, and throw it like a, a throwing star into your back but if he has a gun um even at mid-range or close range uh running will probably get you shot in the back um so there's some self-defense experts who have you know effective looking uh, gun disarms and knife disarms. Um, but I mean, you'd have to train that for so long to be good at that. And even then, I don't know, I, I would be very hesitant to, 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 to try and pull that off. If someone has a gun on me and he wants my watch and my wallet, I'm, I'm going to give it to him as fast as possible. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to try and stay as calm as I can. Just be like, here you go, here you go, here you go. And, uh, you know, hopefully that, that will negate the scenario. Um, you know, if it looks like he's going to posture up and do something, then, you know, yeah, last resort, you know, try and disarm or, or try and move to the side and get the knife out of his hand. But ideally, if you want to give him what he wants, um, you know, if it's a gun or whatever, and, 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 you know, hopefully that will negate the situation. Um, but again, if someone has a knife from you at like mid range or they're coming towards you, that that's, you can probably run from that. Um, but either way, you don't want to be in that robbery situation, dude. That's a bad, that's a bad situation. Um, sort of the summary it is I would, I would be very careful with disarming. I would just try and give the guy what he wants, hope for the best. And, but if you feel like after he's got it, he's, he's, you know, considering making a move on you, then, you know, do what you have to do. But that's, that's such a worst case scenario. Um, the one thing to be careful on there, and this is just speculation, but if you have a, if you are carrying a pistol, um, I think it's too late to pull that. I mean, at, at this point, because he, if he's got a gun to you like this and your, your pistol's in your back pocket, 
um, I think that that could be some a very dangerous move to try. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, avoid a robbery situation. That, that, that's that that is the uh, that is the um, best case scenario. I've been robbed once when I was about twenty by kids who looked like they're two guys pulled out of a car. I was just walking through like a decent neighborhood, but I had my headphones on, so I wasn't aware. Car pulls up, two kids wearing um, like blue bandanas wrapped around their their mouth and stuff, and they pull out and they they rob me for whatever I had on me. They they actually didn't pull weapons on them, but there was two of them, and I know that they're because they were in a car. There was another guy driving the car, so that was three. So like immediately I calculated this is not smart, and because they had the blue bandanas on, I figured they were Crips. I figured it was like a gang initiation. I figured it, they they probably had a weapon on them somewhere. They were scared while they were doing it, so there's a chance that they did have a weapon and they were just hoping that they could, you know, get this part of their initiation down without having to shoot someone. Um, and uh, I just gave them what they wanted and, and, and you know, they hopped back into the car. Um, and I got lucky, but they, they caught me slipping and because I, I, I didn't properly avoid the situation. But, I mean, avoiding that robbery situation at all costs and, and avoiding the fight scenario 